Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast in lockdown with me, Johnny McFarlane, and my good friend, Scott McDermott. Welcome back to the pod, Scott. Are you Hello, Johnny. broadcasting live from uh, central Glasgow? Uh, live from my bedroom in the south side <laughs> of Glasgow, yeah. Otherwise known as my office. <laughs> uh, but the cabin fever's well and truly setting in. Uh, it's, it's getting worse by the day, so... The quicker this is all over, the better. Absolutely. Scott, we're going to go right into the ongoing... I'm looking for a better word than chaos, but I can't think of one. (laughs) Shambles. Uh, The shambles surrounding, well, initially Dundee's flip-flop vote over the members' resolution that took place over ending the seasons. Uh, That has then uh, developed into a larger argument about the management of the SPFL and their behaviours over the last few days. Rangers have been vocal critics of the way uh, Neil Doncaster and others on the board have uh, acted, and uh, they put forward a a resolution themselves looking for an EGM where uh, a wider discussion could take place amongst the 42 clubs about the situation uh, taking place around that vote. Now, of course, the SPFL themselves did have an independent inquiry led by Deloitte, but Rangers say that was not wide enough in scope. They have been backed in their resolution for the EGM by Stranraer and Hearts, which means we are looking for, uh, looking, heading for a D-Day in a couple of weeks' time um, when the clubs will come together to vote on this situation. Scott, let's start, first of all, with the independent investigation, which I think you called in your column a whitewash on Sunday, yeah. which caused a few a few comments on social media I saw on your feet that, were, that made me laugh, certainly, because I always like to see you get uh, abused. I'm but, glad you but, looked but, at it, because I, I have a look at the replies. <laughs> explain why you think it was a whitewash. Well, listen, that was my uh, natural reaction to it as soon as I read the the SPFL's statement because, first of all, was the surprise that they had actually carried out an investigation. As I mentioned in the column, I mean, six days previous, um, Les Gray, who's on the SPFL board, said on radio uh, he was adamant, actually, that, that there was no need for any any inquiry because there was no uh, there was no wrongdoing. So they yeah, that was incre- that. that was incredible that interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Just, I mean, just you, you know, of, of course he's going to say that. Yeah, of course. But but I mean, absolutely adamant that that there was there wasn't going to be any sort of inquiry, and and there shouldn't be. And yet, in the space of six days, not not only has that changed, the they've somehow sanctioned an inquiry uh, of some sort. It's been carried out, it's been reported, it's been distributed to the clubs and then distributed to the media all in the space of six days. Um, and we now know that that none, or certainly very few, of the, the actual members of the SPFL were aware of this, which is just, I just find staggering. I mean, I mean, for one thing, they would have had to pay Deloitte 
Well, they did pay Deloitte to have this uh, to have this investigation done, or so-called investigation done. I mean, how that's possible, um, no, to pay for that and sanction it without letting the member clubs know. No, the, these member clubs that pay money into the SPFL for them to carry out uh, an investigation without their knowledge was just astonishing. And then when you actually read the content and you realise the the parameters to which uh, Deloitte were working uh, were working to. It just beggared belief. Um, as I say again, as I mentioned in the column, I mean, essentially, the the kind of depth of the investigation was 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 looking into the the spam emails of the SPFR and discovering this uh, this missing uh, this missing vote, <coughs> um, and that was just about it. I mean, they, they said in the report that. They had uh, they had checked over uh, phone records and they, you know, the SPFL were very very keen to point out that phones had been recovered and everything was you know, checked over with a fine tooth comb and yet there were no answers to the you know, the burning questions that had been there for you know, for well over a week nearly a fortnight um, like you no know, just off the top of my head uh, I mean if they check phone records where's the explanation for for Neil Doncaster calling uh, Dave Cormack at 4.40pm on that Friday night to tell him that Aberdeen's vote wouldn't count. I mean, we need to know why that call was made. It's no, it's no, That's not Neil Doncaster's business. He's got, you know, he's got no business to be calling anyone at that kind of delicate time of any vote um, and certainly no telling them that, that their vote wouldn't count because the the result was already was already sealed. So Scott, Scott, I'm going to interrupt it, you there because I think this is, that's a really really important point you just made about that. Yeah. Neil Doncaster's role as a chief executive of the SPFL, which is a members' organisation, yeah. is to represent the members of that organisation. Yeah, so he represents exactly. Rangers and Hearts just as much as he represents Celtic exactly. or Hamilton. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So how now? Just explain to me why you think he is able to add. Surely he should be above any advocacy. Well, I, I, is that is that naive? No, it's not naive. But, but what what amazes me, Johnny, is the fact that Neil Doncaster, for being on a huge salary, which is which has obviously been reported in these last few weeks. I mean, for years. Neil Doncaster has just been the guy who has been the face of the SPFL, the guy who comes out and delivers the news, you know, and makes the statements. And you always felt as if, you, know, you always ask yourself, what, what is Neil Doncaster actually doing in there other than relaying information to the media? Because as you said, it's a, you know, it's a clubs, it's the clubs who run the, the SPFL. So he's went from this position where you think. Um, no, he should be doing more, and he's just uh, he's just the face of it. He's the guy that's taking the criticism. To suddenly getting involved in in making these phone calls, no, amidst uh, in the middle of this vote, um, no, there, there's been other uh, kind of chat in social media about other calls that he's made. I mean, that's the thing. When Dave Cormack revealed that that Neil Doncaster had spoken to him at that time, the Friday night, it immediately raised the question of, well, I mean, who else has he spoke to? Who else did he phone? Um, over the course of that day, to try and um, either to try and gauge how they were voting or to influence how they might vote if they hadn't already submitted it, the whole thing stinks to high heavens. It has done from the very start. 
there is something uh, there's something not right about the way it was conducted. I think a blind man can can see that. You don't need to be very intelligent to work out that no something just isn't right. Something smells about this whole about this whole process, and that's why I think it's right. No, it doesn't matter whether it's Rangers or Hearts or whoever. It is right that somebody has called this out uh, as being improper or certainly of there being suspicions about it being improper. And that's why a proper investigation, com- no, done completely independently, has to be carried out. And we're talking about a forensic no investigation to find out exactly what's going on and exactly why it's going on, because I think there's still still big questions for these guys to answer. Okay, I'm going to take an opposite side uh, of the argument here and put something to you, Scott. Neil Doncaster's sat around with his board and they've discussed in detail what's best for Scottish football. They've looked at all of the options and he believes that the overwhelming evidence points towards finishing the season. Now, he wouldn't be alone in that regard. We've seen... Yep. Obviously, Holland, slightly different circumstance. Uh, I believe while we've been on the call, Ligue 1 in France and yeah. uh, the, the second division as well there, it looked like they're going to cancel the season. I don't know what the decision's going to be made on the titles, etc., but that certainly looks like what's going to happen. And of course, we know what's been going on in Belgium, which was the first league to really make a call on this. Yeah. So it's not like this is an outlier in European football really now. Um, surely Neil Doncaster is in a position whereby he can look at all the evidence, look at the medical evidence and say, well, actually, while Rangers and Hearts are member clubs, I I don't subscribe to, to what they believe because they have their own agendas in this. And looking at the bigger picture, and this was one that was backed by 81% of clubs, I, I, I'm going to advocate for this because I think it's the right move for everyone overall. Yeah. I mean, is that... Is that right, or, so, or or should he be a figure that's above? So you, are you suggesting that? then, and I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but are you suggesting then that, that no, there's a bigger picture here in the SPFL as a whole in terms of no, our league should be no decisions should be made by by people independent of the clubs. No, and basically the clubs can serve them. No, you make appointments out with the SPFL. Basically, to run the game is that? Is oh, that, what you're, is that what you're well, saying? I've, I've I've always felt that to be yeah. honest. I mean, if you speak to yeah, any I of these guys, from from Roger Mitchell, who was SPFL uh, chief executive, to Gordon Smith, who was at the SFA, they always say that basically their job was uh, herding cattle. It was yeah. horse trading. It was because, trying to because the self interest takes over, Johnny. That, that, that no, that's why Scottish football at times no eats away at itself because because nobody. Uh, no, I'm maybe generalising, but it seems in my lifetime anyway that no, nobody wants to do anything for the greater good of the game. It's all about no, their club, their players, no, their manager, whatever it might be. Eventually, no, the, the, a lot of these people have got good intentions, the club have got good intentions, but when it gets right down to the, the crux of it, self-interest takes over. And when you've got a member's organisation where the clubs are effectively running it themselves it's no when it's like that it's always going to bring up so many problems or cause so many problems I, I definitely think there's an argument now after this whole fiasco that the SPFL no, the SPFL board I suppose could still could still sit but they are given the task of going appointing no 
proper independent people. Now, you could argue Neil Doncaster um, is someone of that ilk. You know, he'd worked before at Norwich in a kind of executive role. Um, but I, personally, I think you no, know, his time is now his time is now up, and you no, know, this latest uh, episode might might end it for him. But I, I definitely think there's scope for getting people from the outside in to basically run the league. And the clubs can have a say, they can have an opinion, but ultimately these guys at the top make the decisions whether the clubs, uh, whether the clubs like it or not, uh, and they have to just go with it. And if they don't want to go with it, then they go and they go and play in another league. It's as simple as that. Amidst all this, Scott, is there a sense that there's a larger battle going on here, or this battleground is more than what it appears on the surface? Peter Law has been a, a massively influential figure in Scottish football over the last decade or so. Even longer, he's been at Celtic, but come to prominence, especially since yeah. 2012 and the issues that Rangers have suffered. Is there a sense that Rangers are trying to claw back some of the ground they've made? Law's obviously an influential figure in the, in the same way that David Murray was when he was the, the Rangers chairman. And, yeah. and what they're trying to do here is is uh, erode what they perceive to be some of his influence in this? I think there's probably a wee bit of that, Johnny. I don't think we can get away from that. No, Rangers were away from that kind of top table for no, what seemed like an age. Um, no, weren't involved in these kind of high-level decisions, high-level talks, didn't have him the in there uh, on, the, on the board of the top uh, the top league. So I think you're right. That there's no, There is a bit of... No, trying to claw back a wee bit of influence. There's no going to be for the fact Celtic Rangers are the two the two biggest clubs, no, the two biggest attractions in, in in Scottish football. And I think Rangers want to be kind of seen to be at that top table again, no, making decisions and having a bit of influence and you no, know, as you say, getting back to to kind of where they once where they once were. Um, but and, and part be, of that would potentially be removing. Murdoch McLennan and Neil Doncaster. Yeah, well, listen, I think and, and that, with a new broom. Yeah, for that point of view, listen, they've, all, they've had uh, they've had serious doubts about uh, Murdoch McLennan's impartiality for a long time, as we know, because of uh, comments that he made in the past. Now, you can listen. You can argue that that's no tit for tat if you like or it's no it doesn't really matter but Rangers feel strongly about it no they don't believe a guy like that should be the chairman of the the league that they're in when he's made kind of uh, or he's alleged to have made derogatory derogatory comments about them in the past no that's up to to Rangers so they have doubts about McLennan clearly they feel that uh, Doncaster's role in this in this botched vote, no, not just in terms of the, the the missing Dundee ballot paper or you know, these calls that we referred to earlier, but you know, Rangers will say that when they put their own resolution forward um, and try to get it pushed through um, for a kind of alternative way of uh, dealing with the the prize money. That Neil Doncaster's played a big role in somehow ensuring that 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 never that that never made it, um, and it get it get thrown out effectively um, just before the just before the actual vote. So they're not happy with, with Doncaster's conduct. Um, that's that's a definite. Um, and I think you're right. I think they feel that their time probably is up. It does need a kind of fresh uh, impetus, fresh faces. Um, and as I say, Rangers going forward will want to be, you no, know, want to be part of that. But I, I think it's worth mentioning too. You no, know, it, 
it, it's going to be difficult for Rangers to to try and get that that kind of influence back and get that kind of um, we'll get that kind of seat at the top table again. I think because I think it does go back to to 2012 when they had all their problems. Um, and let's be honest, you know, without beating about the bush, clubs, um, you know, a lot of clubs in Scotland, a lot of a lot of supporters of these clubs weren't happy about uh, no about, about what happened at Rangers. They weren't happy about Rangers' kind of attitude towards it. Certainly weren't uh, for entertaining Rangers staying in the top league. No, there was a real kind of toxic air about that whole period, um, and I think Rangers lost a lot of uh, lost a lot of friends, whether you like it or not, during that time. And I definitely think the new regime at Ibrox, um, no, maybe not so much Dave King, but certainly Stuart Robertson and the, the new board. Um, and obviously a new management team and all that, they want to make, I genuinely believe they want to make a, a good impression. They want to, you know, they want to try and have a positive influence on, on Scottish football as a whole. But as I say, I think it's going to be difficult. It's going to take time to try and get that back. But certainly this, would, in their eyes, would be a step towards that. Um, getting, you know, They've got grievances against Doncaster and McLennan and, and Rod McKenzie, obviously, and they want them, they want them out. Scott, I've been playing devil's advocate a bit because I do agree with you. I absolutely believe that um, 100% that it's correct that there is a, a further investigation, yeah. uh, an independent investigation into this. I think it's absolutely essential because I think anyone who's being in any way unbiased towards this situation has to look at the way this was handled and say, yeah. this clearly wasn't handled well at best. And there needs to be serious questions asked about why you would have a vote and then release the results of that vote, which in turn allowed Dundee to realise they had the power to make or break one of the key decisions in the history of Scottish football, in a way. Yeah. Um, So so absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, And I think one of the big things that will come up from this in the next couple of weeks as we move towards this EGM is that there's going to be a discussion about whether or not Scottish football can afford to have this investigation. Yeah. And at this time, when we've got an asteroid heading towards us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in the form of the COVID-19 crisis, should we be spending more money Going backwards, I think we absolutely should. This needs to be sorted out. There is a fundamental existential lack of trust. And I think that comes not just from people who are Rangers fans or Hearts fans, but I think almost anyone who's honest will look at this and say, this has not been handled in the way that you would want and it must be looked at. So, And and I think, Johnny, I think Rangers... I think previously with stuff like this, Rangers were pretty much a lone voice. And I think at the start of this process, they were pretty much a lone voice as well. Uh, what I think is key is that they're now... I know people will say, obviously, it's because Hearts are in danger of being relegated as a result of the, the resolution. Uh, Stranraer are the same. But I, I genuinely believe now, and I know Rangers genuinely believe that they're garnering support now from other from other clubs who aren't happy about this, uh, aren't happy about this process as well, and that's going to be crucial. That's what Rangers, that's what Rangers are going to need to get the. They need seventy five percent of the vote. 
which is a, a massive number to get the independent uh, inquiry. So they're going to start start lobbying. They're going to need to come up with this. Um, that's, that's evidence. Whistleblower evidence. That they keep talking about. Um, and listen, that's the key thing. That, and no, I think we need to say that Rangers are going to need. No, Rangers need this this evidence to be strong, whatever it whatever it might be. I, I actually think the SPFL. If you look at what's coming out of there in the last few days, I think they are concerned now. Um, no, kind of reading just the the, the tone of the uh, no the tone of the, the statement that came out that came out with the the Deloitte investigation. I was reading stuff yesterday about how the SPFL are you know, scratching their heads at this, and you no, know, they, they they don't see why it's necessary. I think I think they are worried about it now that Rangers have got it this far and they seem to be gaining a wee bit of a wee bit of momentum and a wee bit of support for other clubs. But the key thing is is the Rangers evidence because of course there's a danger that when this comes out it's not strong enough. People shrug their shoulders. Um Rangers end up looking uh, looking a bit silly and, and the SPFL or you know, the guys that we're talking about um get away I'm not saying get away with it, that's suggesting that they have done something wrong, but they're allowed to then carry on because because the evidence isn't strong enough. Rangers need to be one hundred percent certain. And you no, know, I've asked the question myself to people within Rangers, um, can off the record do they feel as if this evidence is strong enough, and the answer is is yes. That the the advice that they've been given from you know, legal people is that you know what they've got, whatever it might be, um, you no know, could be strong enough to 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 sink the, these people, um, you no know, Doncaster and uh, and the like. So it's, as you say, it's going to be the I think it's made is it uh, May the twelfth the the meeting. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how. It, see how it develops yeah absolutely for, for me scott it's just that one element alone without even seeing rangers evidence and, and that might that might certainly add to it um but that one element of releasing the numbers yeah. it, it's it's just absolutely outrageous that that happened so, so for me that's a big point listen yeah. i'm going to move on now to reconstruction and how this potentially could affect rangers um, right. What's your take on a, a 14-team league? Now, I, I wrote a piece on Daily Record online. I, I like the idea of a 14-team league, and I'll explain why. Um, I think there's always been an appetite among Scottish football fans for a slightly bigger league just to freshen things up. Yep. I don't like the split as it stands because I believe there are sporting integrity issues around it. I don't think it's fair, for example, this season, Rangers had to go to uh, Tynecastle uh I think we'd have to go to Tynecastle three times. They would have potentially. Yeah. I'm just using this as an example. Yeah. Um, it could be that it could be that it's listen. It could be that it's happened to Celtic and they've had to go to Aberdeen three times. That's not right. Uh, you know, it should be exactly the same for all the teams. Yeah. So I've never been a big fan of that element of the split. Although I do like the notion of the best teams playing off in the last five games for the big prizes and I think that's that's exciting you know knowing that there's no easy games at that point it's all yeah. going to be tough and testing so for me the 14 element not only do you have more teams but you have the split after 26 games which would be exciting because like who's going to make the top six who's going to be in the yeah. bottom eight 
Then, following on from that, you have a kind of extended top top six that is going to be really, really high quality. It's going to be absolutely the best in Scottish football facing off. Yeah. And over two legs. So there's none of this uh, situation where you're concerned about or having to go to Pataudry three times or potentially go yeah. to Tynecastle or, or Hearts so, having to come to Rangers. So what do you, uh, so what do you want what do you want after twenty six games? Just explain so, how the how the split so, will work. so basically everyone plays each other twice, then there'd be yeah. a split. This is my understanding of what they're talking about when they talk about the the fourteen, by the way. Yeah. Then it's top six, bottom eight. The top yeah. six play twice, home and away, bottom eight play twice, home and away. Right. So the bottom eight, although they're losing out a little bit in terms of they're not getting that third game against the big sides, they do get two extra home games out of it. Yeah. So the financial disparity is is helped. And it also means there should be a little bit less of a cutthroat element about relegation, which should allow more young players to be played. I know Scottish football, to be fair, we, we're doing okay. A lot of the teams, uh, blood yeah. and youngsters in, teams like Hamilton, people like that. But I think this would give even more impetus to bring young players in, where in the yeah. past, in a more cutthroat league, there might be the desire to go with someone you, you know, who's got the experience of the league. But I think from Rangers' point of view, because this is a Rangers podcast, yeah, that top v top element is attractive. You know, yeah. those last uh, uh, those last games of the season, the last um, ten fixtures will be against potentially. If you look at the table as it stands now, it would be against the likes of Hibs. Um, uh, Heart, sorry, not Hearts. Hibs, Aberdeen, Motherwell, yeah, the best yeah, teams yeah. in the league. Um, so, so that strikes me as positive. The problem yeah. that you obviously have is whether or not that two teams coming up would dilute the pot, the financial pot, yeah. and, and that's where I think this may fall down. Yeah. Time will tell. I don't know what you think. Um, I, I hadn't put. No, that much thought in it, I must admit. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right in terms of it needs freshening up a wee bit. I think you're right in terms of looking at Scottish football now. It probably could do with the, the top league being slightly bigger. I've probably changed my tune on that over the years because I remember years ago writing stuff um, about how I actually believed that uh, the smaller league was better, just a top ten, because it felt like, no, that was the <clears throat> that was the kind of elite, if you like, no, the top ten clubs, and that's the way it should be for a country of our size. Yeah. But I've probably changed now. I probably agree that it does need uh, shaking up a wee bit. I quite like that. I, I've no, despite the the disparity in terms of the the home and away games, like you mentioned, I agree that the split is good since it's since it's come in. It does provide excitement at both ends of the at both ends of the table. So, listen, the way you've described that fourteen team league with the with the eight and six split, I don't see many I don't see many downsides to it. As I say, other than the fact that would you no know, would these the kind of lesser clubs go for it? Um, because obviously after the 26 games, then they're they're battling it out with others uh, in the bottom uh, the bottom eight. I'm not sure how how keen they would be on that, but certainly that top six, you no, know, as you say, playing each other home and away would be really exciting uh, end to the season. Um, in terms of you no, know, we're talking about TV deals and all that. I mean that, and as we know, the TV deal is based around uh, getting the four. 
uh, the four old firm games which are going to which are going to get, but as well as the four old firm games, that top six playing each other home and away as a kind of climax to the season, I think would be really appealing to the uh, to the big TV companies. Are you one of these guys that's more inclined towards a bigger league, Scott? I know you said that the, the ten, but one thing that you always hear from fans, especially fans from out with Celtic and Rangers, who I, I think generally. Celtic and Rangers fans don't get involved in the league re- reconstruction thing no, so much they um, but they always talk about a 16 or an 18 team league but the fact is that these things are non-starters, there's no point in even discussing them a lot of the time because as you say, that those four old firm games Yeah, they, they are, decide everything. That's the they, essence of it. Yeah, of course it is. Listen, I think it depends and it sounds a simple thing to say but it kind of depends who's in the, the league when, when I see the, the top flight this is purely just for a a completely neutral point of view. And I look at Scotland top flight and some of the fixtures uh, over the last few years. And honestly, that this is no disrespect whatsoever to the likes of Hamilton, Ross County, Livingston, clubs like that, Inverness when they were in that or whatever. Sometimes you do look at it and then you look at the championship and you see massive clubs down there. Obviously, there was a while when you had Hearts, Hibs and Rangers down there. But even now... When you're looking at Dundee United and Dunfermline and you know, clubs with big um, traditional big uh, supports, big home supports, um, and it, it's at that time I think to myself, you know, can we not expand the league and get these teams in the top flight, get all the big teams, uh, the big clubs into the top flight? So, you no, know, there is that way of looking at it. But as you say. There's no way you could have that bigger league with, with Rangers and Celtic only playing twice. Listen, see, there, see, there is one way, Scott. There is one way, which I've, I've not heard many people discuss in the past, but you could have a top 18 with a, a new competition created at the start of the season where first plays second and call it the Scottish Super Cup. And then you would be guaranteed you play that home and away right at the start of the season, season opener, a bit like the Charity Shield, but you'd be yeah, creating... Yeah. Be creating something new. So you get two old firm games, right? So you get two old firm games. Yeah. Um, that 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 would be the only the only I've no way heard to do that. It. I've not heard that idea before. That's interesting. Uh, I can't see them going for it. I mean, I think it would it would sell, but the the Super Cup idea it just wouldn't be the same as a league game. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't have as much yeah. riding on it as those four old firm games. See, see in terms of the actual fixture. Johnny, I, I used to think, I've maybe changed slightly now, but I used to think that having two old firm games a season would actually be brilliant for for Scottish football and um, you know, in terms of fans because it, it would make those two games so special. Do you know what I mean? And they would mm. mean so much. No, to have just to just have won the home game against your biggest rivals in the league season. I mean, there would be so much riding on those games. I think it would be really, really exciting. Um, and for, even for people out with Scotland, you know, if there's only two of those games a year, you would you, know, you would just have to watch it. Um, but the argument against that is they're so, these games are so hyped now anyway that even with four of them, <laughs> yeah. throw in a couple of cup ties, they still mean everything to everybody and everybody still wants to watch them. So... Um, no, if you've got a good thing there, you're probably as well just just rolling with it and, and having as much of it uh, as much of it as possible. Um, and that's why the TV company, that's why Sky are so keen to get the to get the four games. Um, so listen, I think you would need to have the four old firm games, and I think probably 
if you're going to change the league setup, and I think it probably does need a wee shake-up, as I said, then the 14-team uh, top flight might just uh, might just work for them. OK, good stuff, mate. Listen, um, we're going to call it a day there. We've given you half an hour um, on these issues uh, surrounding the SPFL. Obviously, we'd, we'd rather be talking about football. Yeah. Um, but this is the focus of uh, what everyone is discussing at the moment, and it's where the news is coming from in the absence of the game itself. We'll be back now going forward uh, every Tuesday as normal. Unfortunately, we were just switching to a new podcast platform. Uh, So that took up a couple of weeks whereby um, we're moving from one stage to another. You can now find the podcast on DAX, uh, which is a podcasting platform. Uh, and the podcast will be available as usual from from all your usual uh, suppliers. So if it's iTunes or whatever, you'll still be able to get it there. You'll also be able to get it on the Daily Record website where it'll be a lot more prominent going forward. Yeah. Uh, we will be back, as I say, on Tuesday. If you want to further debate or get in contact with either myself or Scott, I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. Until next time, thanks for listening.